Welcome to Can We Talk? Taxes, Trustees, and Entrepreneurs. Certified Public Accountant Carol Felsing shares her years of expertise with you to help you make the best financial decisions possible. She founded Felsing LLC in 2013 after years of experience working in national, regional, and local firms. And now, here's your host, Deborah Hendrickson, and of course, Carol Felsing. Hello, and welcome to Can We Talk? This series will cover three important topics for small businesses. What's involved in starting a small business, small business banking and why you need a personal banker, and how to sell a business. Our host today is Carol Felsing, joined by her guest, Deborah Backer. Carol founded her firm, Felsing LLC, in 2013, serves as managing partner, and has watched it grow with a team of high-powered individuals serving clients in a professional and caring manner. One of those high-powered individuals is Carol's guest today, Deborah Backer, a partner with Felsing LLC. She has been an enrolled agent practicing before the Internal Revenue Service since 1998. She is also a QuickBooks Certified Pro Advisor, working directly with our small business clients. Deb grew up in a small Pennsylvania town, making Florida her home while in high school. She is active in the Winter Park Rotary. Now here is your host, Carol Felsing, along with her guest, Deborah Backer, to discuss what's involved in starting a small business. Good morning, Deb. Good morning, Carol. Glad to have you this morning. I know with us working together for so many years, we come across a lot of times individuals coming to us say, I want to start a business or I've started a new business. What do I do now? So one of the things we, we kind of counsel them on is not just the tax impact of it all, but what do they really need to do to start a business? Because oftentimes we see that just because you're a good baker does not mean you should go and open a pastry shop because you don't have those skills that's necessary to own and operate a business. So when we're looking at someone starting a business, what are some things you ask them? Well, we usually start in asking them why. Why do they want to start a business? Usually it's because it's something they're good at or something they think that they can make money at. Some of the things we ask them to do is consider, is it something they would want to do long-term or short-term? Something they want to start out as a side business maybe before fully committing, seeing how it goes. Those are some of the ideas we give out to them to get an idea of, you know, what they think they can do. So we've got this business, they've got an idea, and they want to bring it to fruition. And your neighbors may know, and we're going to use the example of a baker, your neighbors and good friends may know you bake really well. What do we tell them about getting that news out to or that information out to the general public to start that business? Normally, I would suggest something, joining some form of an organization for newly starting businesses, a lot of business clubs that are out there that they can get ideas from other people how to market their business. Obviously, depending on what type of business is, if it's going to be to the general public, they may want to get in touch with a marketing company that will do advertising for them. It's really dependent on what their style of business is and what their audience, what their audience is, you know, what audience they have that they would want to reach out to. And I know marketing for us has changed dramatically. It used to be we were in print. It used to be we had those little pamphlets we'd hang out. But now most marketing has gone online and doing with podcasts or doing with social media, very different than what we've thought of in the past, you know, 20 years ago. So they need to be comfortable with doing that as well. Very true. So we want to start a business. We've been used to getting a paycheck, right, from our employer. And all of a sudden, we're going to start a business, and most likely that paycheck's not going to be coming for a while. How do we advise them on that? We would advise them to not just make a business budget, but a personal budget, because they're going to have to determine how much capital is going to be needed to start this business, 
are they going to have the funds to to live off of until they get this business up and running before it starts showing a profit? They're going to have to determine if they're going to need some type of financing to get the cash flow started. Depends on what type of business they're running, if they're going to have a lot of equipment they have to buy first. Like your example of a baker, they're going to have to buy a lot of commercial equipment that they're going to need to start that business out. So in the beginning, obviously, it's going to be a lot of cash up front before they actually start making money. So definitely getting a budget together on the business side as well as the personal side so they can determine, can I live before this business starts making money? And that's where we we come into so many businesses because they don't have enough capital to start up with, honestly. They're trying to go it on the skinny. They're not getting advice from their insurance agent, their banker, their CPA as to what needs to be done. And this is really critical in starting a new business that the you get your banker involved very early on because if you don't have good credit and you don't have capital for which they can loan against, the chances of you getting financing are slim to none. And we're going to discuss that in a later episode, but it is very, very critical that they get those people involved. If they can't get financing, they really can't buy the equipment, and then they're going to be stuck in ground zero. Definitely. The other thing we talk about is, yes, I'm a good baker, but can I be the one that's washing and cleaning the dishes? Am I the one baking? Am I the one that's selling? What do we tell them about employees and how they get employees and how many they need? Again, that's something they're going to have to decide. Can I do this alone? Do I want to put 23 hours a day into my business by myself? And then they have to determine if, if they can't, you know, who do they hire? Are they going to hire employees? Or are they going to hire subcontractors? What's involved with hiring? What's the difference between the, having an employee versus an independent contractor? What type of costs are involved with an employee? You're going to have payroll costs, workers' comp insurance, possibly benefits, probably not in the beginning, independent contractors, you're going to have a little less control over what you can get them to do because for them to be considered an independent contractor, they're kind of not necessarily on their own schedule, but you're just not going to have as much control over them. And it's dependent on the type of work, the business that you're having, what that would entail. Obviously, in our scenario of a baker, it's probably going to be an employee unless you subcontract out your baking in their own kitchen or whatever it is they're doing. So you definitely have a lot less quality control over that. So it's dependent on that. So this, again, is where that budget comes into play. They know they can sell this stuff, but I don't think a lot of people thoroughly think through what are not only my fixed cost, but my other costs that go along with selling. So I think that's really, really critical, as you said, both business and personal. Because if you're not pulling money as a salary, do you have enough wherewithal to go without a paycheck for six or nine months. Right. So we've got this individual that wants to start a new business. We've talked to them about, you know, getting everything in place, doing your budget, getting an ID, finding a place, getting your marketing up to date. And now we're talking about, okay, when I open the doors, what's going to be my legal structure and tax structure? A big misconception, when I ask, I said, what what are your tax debts? Well, I'm an LLC. Well, a lot of people don't know LLC is a legal structure. It's not the tax structure because an LLC can be taxed as a sole proprietor, as a partnership, as an S-corp, or as a C-corp. And quite a few people are surprised by that. But let's go into the details of each one of those a little bit of what's the difference between a sole proprietor, a partnership, an S-corp, and kind of where you'd want to use those. For a small business that's just starting out, they aren't really sure exactly 
if they're going to make it or not. A lot of times we will recommend, even if they want to be an LLC, which they're more than welcome to form themselves that way, they're still, in the IRS's eyes, disregard it, and they're a sole proprietor. They're just going to file on their own personal tax return all of their income and, and expenses. It's usually the easiest thing to do, especially if you're first starting out. And especially if you don't have employees. Exactly. If you're going your loan. We typically see a disregarded entity. Right. If it's a, a more advanced type of business where they do want to form and become an S-corporation, be taxed as an S-corporation, even though they've registered as an LLC and it's an election you make with the IRS to be taxed differently than what your structure is. Right. They can elect to be an S-corporation. If you go in, say you start a business with more than one person, like say you and your brother want to start this business, and you've registered as an LLC, you're going to default to a partnership because you've got more than one member. Sometimes, depending on the business, that's not always a good choice. And we do normally advise them instead to become an S-corporation. Very rarely do we recommend anybody to be a C-corporation. The tax rates are much higher. You're double taxed on your earnings as well as when you draw your dividends out, you're taxed on those again. So most of what we see, especially for small businesses, are going to be either an LLC operating as an S-corporation or a partnership, or if you're a small, small, small business, then just as a sole proprietor. And typically, if it's an operating business, we don't usually use partnership. We typically use an S-corp, and that has to do with primarily self-employment tax because all the income coming out of a partnership is taxed as self-employment tax unless it's rental income or passive income. Correct. And typically, all our investment entities are LLCs taxed as partnerships because that's not deemed operating business income subject to self-employment tax. And there's some little tricks in there about pulling real estate out at basis versus fair market value. But it is very critical at the very beginning, you determine how you're going to be taxed and what your legal entity is going to be. So speaking of that, who are these prime players that we should get involved in the beginning? Our trusted advisors is yeah. what, what we're talking about. And so we're speaking about how this all comes together and how they're going to be taxed. Who should be their trusted advisors at the very beginning when they start to get up and running? Obviously, a banker, because most of them are going to need some form of financing. Possibly an attorney, depending on what their structure is. They may need some more involved legal documents, such as operating agreements or articles of incorporation, depending on what type of entity they may want to form as. And an accountant, somebody who's going to advise them, okay, what I'm doing, how is this going to affect my taxes? Right as well as an insurance agent, because you want to make sure that you've got everything covered for not just legal purposes, but for liability purposes. Right, because you're going to make a big investment here, and the last thing you want is someone slipping and falling and taking it all away from you. Exactly. And when we talk about getting your CPA involved, everyone thinks of taxes, whether that be an S-corp return or your personal return, but there's a lot of other taxes and licenses they need as well. First comes to mind, you, you got to get an EIN number, which is your business number that you're going to report everything under. Yep. But there's some other taxes that we need to file for. Yep. There could be sales taxes with the state. If you hire employees, you've got payroll taxes. You may also need to apply for different business licenses, depending on what your type of business is, occupational licenses. I'm sure if it's going again back to our bakery thing, there's got to be some type of a food preparation license or qualification that you have to meet. 
or your liquor licenses. So there's a lot more involved than just getting your employee identification or filing a tax return. There's a lot of licenses out there that they may or may not be aware of. And the worst case scenario is you operate for businesses for two years and realize you should have been filing. The penalties on that are horrendous. So we've answered a couple of questions. Okay, I'm going to get I'm going to get started with my business. We're going to try and get some financing. We've done all our license preparations. So what are some other things they need to consider when they're starting a business? Well, obviously, they're going to have some form of accounting that's going to need to be done. And a lot of new business owners, that's way down on their list of things to do because that's not what they consider when they think about running a business. They think about, again, going back to bakery, baking the food. How am I going to package it? How am I going to market it? How am I going to get it out there? What ingredients am I going to use? Where am I going to get the ingredients from? That kind of stuff. They don't think about the back end of the business for all of the record keeping and such, which, you know, do you want to, do you want to hire somebody to do that for you if that's not your forte? And sometimes we wish some clients would have done that first before they came to us because they think they can just bring us a pile of receipts and we're going to go through everything. And that's expensive. It's very expensive. That's yes. expensive for a brand new business to do. And I think a lot of business owners, from my experience, accounting and that type of admin doesn't generate revenue. Correct. So that's not primary on the list. But what they don't realize is while it doesn't generate revenue, it can save on expenses. So if you're saving on expenses, it's still affecting the bottom line. Exactly. It's just not a sales thing. So it typically gets sometimes backburnered or gets way down on the totem pole for what they're going to work on. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you'd like to add, some of your experience of what you've dealt with with some small businesses, some common mistakes? What I've seen also I think that businesses need to think about is what type of software they're going to use. There's so much technology out there now. Can I do Venmo? Can I do PayPal? There's all kinds of apps for your phone where you can accept payments that way. What are the costs involved on that? Because sometimes they think that, oh, it should be free, but it's not. There's usually some some I don't want to say substantial, but it's going to cut into your budget to to think about that kind of stuff. And there's a wide range. I mean, we know when, when, we, when we have clients looking at credit card processors, there is a huge range on that cost. And it varies from month to month. So it's something you need to look at and, and, and sometimes go back to and reassess, where, is that who I'm going to stay with? Mm-hmm. Anything else, mistakes, common mistakes you see being made that you'd like to warn them of? Um, on the accounting end, of course, because that's where I would be coming from, obviously, is the waiting till the very end of the year to start thinking about gathering your information together mm-hmm. and trying to play catch up at that point and trying to remember, well, what was this expense for? I wrote out this check to Joe Smith, and now I don't remember what he did anymore. As well as with your independent contractors, you may need to give them 1099s if you've had hired them to do some stuff. Did you get all of the information that you need to get those 1099s prepared? If you didn't get the people's names, address, and social security numbers, you're not going to be able to do that, which may mean you can't take that as a deduction anymore. Right. And we advise all of our clients, and technically this is the way it's supposed to be done, before you pay any individual or a business with an LLC at the end, get a W-9 form before you ever pay for it because they will give you that W-9 if they know it means getting their check. After the fact, either one, you may not find them, or two, they're not going to answer your call. Correct. So that W-9 is one of those things we would advise them at the very beginning. And some of your softwares actually have you do that. I know QuickBooks will have you do that. There's a variety of softwares that are out there. You know, There's 
QuickBooks, but QuickBooks has online, QuickBooks has desktop, QuickBooks has enterprise. So which one of those do you get? There's Zero. there's Sage. I mean, it just depends on what you have. And those that, what we've typically seen with QuickBooks is, or any software, is for those that have inventory particularly, or those that have job costing, that's going to be more of an industry-specific software that you may tie into another software. But the QuickBooks of the world or the zeros or whatever those are, they typically don't handle inventory, especially if you're trying to do on-time inventory. So those are going to be more, you know, as we said, industry-specific. So know your industry, know what else is out there for you. Mm-hmm. We get to the end of the year. A lot of our clients also, we ask them to come in September, October, and let's take a look-see to see if there's anything they need to do prior to year-end. Can you give us some ideas of what you do then? A lot of times, especially with an S-corporation, we'll see where where do they stand? Are they making more money than they thought they were going to make? Now they're going to end up having to pay more tax because all of that is going to flow through to their personal tax return. So they need to take some form of a bonus to get more withholding withheld out, which is the best way to handle estimated tax payments instead of making them quarterly or whenever you decide you want to make them. Um, Doing it in through payroll spreads that liability throughout the whole year instead of if you take a bonus in December, it doesn't get credited only in December, which will help with the possibility of any type of penalty that you, the IRS would give for not making payments throughout the year. And the bottom line on that is estimated payments are credited when you actually made them versus withholding. Even if you do the withholding in December, it's deemed done pro rata throughout the year. So it's also a cash flow technique we use with some of our clients as well. So they can have use of that money throughout the year and not have to borrow on exactly. it as well. Yep. Well, thank you very much for your help and your insight. I know it's a lot for a small business to take in and figure out what, what the next step is. So hopefully this will help some along the line. Thank you. You're welcome. Join us next time as Carol and Deborah discuss accounting software for new businesses. Thanks for listening and join us next time as we continue our conversation with Carol Felsing, partner with Felsing LLC. You've been listening to Can We Talk? Taxes, trustees, and entrepreneurs. Please rate us wherever you listen to podcasts, connect with us on social, and submit any tax-related questions to info at felsingcpa.com.